You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Cactus League Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On Seattle Sports Station, the Seattle Sports app, and seattlesports.com. What a night for Marco Gonzalez. Now, the Cactus League Report. Ah, yes, it is that time of the year. Time for the very first Cactus League Report. We are thrilled to have you with us in the Valley of the Sun. Aaron Goldsmith alongside Gary Hill and Shannon Dreyer. And you know what, guys? Boy, Peoria never disappoints, does it? I mean, I do say that. We have had to pack fleeces before. But but generally speaking, it is just a great time of the year. Oh, you get down here and you forget what rain, you know, all of a sudden just definitely. It's a little different this year because we come down a little bit later. I realize that... uh, it's very warm for four hours of drills out on the field oh, sure, over yeah. the last couple of week after over the last week. But man, it's good to be here. It's it's condensed. Uh, the guys have been getting good work in quickly. It was a thrill to see what Marco did yesterday and able to throw 50 pitches. He threw more in the bullpen after. They're off to a great start. Yeah, Gary and I were talking earlier this morning about the condensed schedule and 18 games. Is that right? Yeah. And then we thought. They played 30 of these before? (laughs) (laughs) Like 18 seems like probably enough, right, guys? We're going to find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. It is going to be super interesting to see how it plays out. I guess it doesn't give you much margin for error especially with starting pitchers, there's there's no cushion, basically, to get ready for opening day. So you, you hope you don't have any sort of setbacks along the way. But so far, so good, as you mentioned, with Marco off to a great start. And it's funny, on my way over here, which has become my favorite thing so far in camp, I stopped because... Robbie Ray was throwing a bullpen at. And how did you know he was throwing I a mean, bullpen? I mean, you know, the second you step outside and you don't have to see anything because you just hear, hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> From the it, parking lot. And it just <laughs> echoes through the facility. And so it's so great. So I kind of wandered over to nearly right behind the catcher to get that yeah. view. And, you know, you're watching, I'm watching the reigning Cy Young Award winner. Just, ah, he's letting it go at the heater. And every, you know, it makes me, when I watch that up close, when I'm right there in almost a batter's perspective, it does make me think that every base hit I see in this game is a miracle. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am watching him deal, and he, you know, I know it's a bullpen and spring training. He just looks unhittable. It is so fun to watch for just somebody with, like, no baseball skills at all just to be that close and see what a hitter sees at the plate it's it's incredible to watch it is i agree every hit is a miracle i completely agree with that uh you know we heard scott talk about this and just kind of the the vibe in what is already shannon what feels like a really strong clubhouse right and it's easy this time of year to say that it's a strong clubhouse like if your clubhouse isn't strong uh, a week into games it could be a long year it's gonna be a long year yeah right but i think we we knew the makeup and the character of this clubhouse before this season with so many returning pieces major pieces for the mariners but to add a guy like robbie ray with what we can tell at least the type of guy that he is mm-hmm. right and then what he obviously brings in terms of hardware uh, to seattle and then add uh Suarez and Winker coming over from Cincinnati. What seems like a really cohesive clubhouse somehow maybe got even more so with three additions. 
You know, I walked in and it was, you know how, I'm not sure what the age break is, but when all of a sudden your 8-year-old turns into a 12-year-old overnight, <laughs> it was kind of that. It was, where did all these veterans come from? And not just the ones that were brought in. You, you really had a different sense when you walked into that clubhouse for the first time this year that it wasn't bunch, a bunch of young guys finding their way. I mean, so many guys are so much more established. J.P. Crawford taking that big step towards leadership last year. I was talking with Tom Murphy uh, yesterday, and, and you no longer think of him as one of the younger, newer players. Uh, just all over that clubhouse right now, it, it's a veteran group, and it feels like it happened overnight. I can completely see that. And when we are with you right now on the Cactus League Report, we'll be uh, having a guy who knows a thing or two about the Mariners Clubhouse on with us. We'll have Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander joining us in about 25 minutes from now. Larry Stone uh, will be bringing his... uh, Chiquita Bananas to the booth uh, with us today. Uh, Gary, I brought him a banana to the that booth. That is the worst looking banana I know. I've seen in some time. I did that on purpose. Did you leave it outside for a week <laughs> <laughs> on the, in the desert? Yes. Uh, Gary, a banana connoisseur as well. Uh-huh. But Stoney will be coming by. He is here in the valley for a little while. And uh, always great to have uh, one of the great columnists in the game uh, swing by as well. When uh, you look at what's going on early in camp, and we're really just into this thing, and before we... By the time we get off the ground, they'll be going down for a landing with as short as we already discussed. Um, you know, Julio kind of came into this camp with Jerry very openly saying, hey, he's got a really good shot to make this team. We're going to give him every opportunity. And just kind of forecasting out, this kind of feels like not just one of those GM speak things to make a young guy want to have some confidence and go out there and play. Like, this is real. Julio Rodriguez, one of the top prospects in the game, could very well be on the Mariners' opening day roster, which when you you never know what you're going to get from a rookie, of course, but we know that Julio appears to be pretty special. And, I mean, this could be a thing all season for the Mariners. You know, we were talking about it in the media lobby. We don't have a room. We now have an entire lobby mm. to the complex Is down Is that here. better than a room? No. <laughs> <laughs> we are out there for all to see and hear, and we had a kind of robust uh, discussion about a number of things. But, uh, you know, kind of the sense was, was that door always as open as it was? And I think it was to some extent, but I'm wondering if some of the newer rules are playing into this as well, being that there is an extra postseason mm-hmm. spot and being that uh, if your rookie is one of the top two, they get, you know, they're, they're different. You get draft picks. So, I, you know, to me, I'm, I'm wondering if any of that played into it. And it, just a little bit more enthusiasm for the possibility of this happening. And then you take a look at, at Julio and you realize, nope, he's dictating this whole thing. It's up to him what he is doing. And every time you see him, he is one step closer. He has, he has improved, mm-hmm. taken another step. We saw him in center field. And I don't know if you guys remember last year, but it was like the highlight of all of my interviews. It was at the end of the season, had him in the dugout. And after the interview, I had noticed that he had started playing center field in the minors towards the end of the year. And I asked him about that, and he just looked at me and looked me right in the eye and said, I will tell you first, you have this first. It's going to be amazing. And this was back in September. So he just takes those challenges. But they are so impressed with, A, obviously the power, 117 miles an hour. Only 20 major league hitters did that last year. The home run in the Cactus League opener. opener. That's not normal. He does it with regularity. Uh, But then also you're starting to see with him the ability to lay off tough tough pitches, to lay off bad pitches, to wait for his pitch. And, uh, you know, there's a mature approach there at the plate. 
I think I think it truly is in his hands. Yeah, when I think about this camp, I'm curious to get both of your opinions on this too. When I think about the storylines of this camp, it's funny for me, A is Julio at the plate and B is Julio in center field. Like I think Julio is at the top of the list uh when it comes to storylines with this camp and uh just is he going to make the roster? Is he going to play some center field? Like how much center field? I know we're going to see him there in the spring a lot. We've seen him there already. Uh, could that be a thing we see in the regular season as well? I I am curious to watch everything he does in the spring. My sense on Julio in center is that he is so driven to just prove to people mm-hmm. that he can play center field in the big leagues. Yeah. Because he's such a large man, of course, you can just by the eye test say, no, he's in the corner, man. Like, right. There's no chance. Mm-hmm. But we heard Jerry talk about his work this offseason to stay twitchy, not just to bulk, but to stay twitchy so he can give the Mariners that possibility to play in center field. And I think, I mean, he's got a lot of Kelnick in him in that regard, right? Like, mm-hmm. they just want to prove people wrong and show they can do even more than what they expect of them. And so it doesn't shock me at all that he's going to try to do everything he can and perform when he's out there. Mm-hmm. Well, we are just off the ground here on the Cactus League Report. Plenty more to get to. We'll be joined by Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander in a little while. When we come back, the great Larry Stone of the Seattle Times will be with us. That's right after this on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to the Cactus League Report. Live from Mariner Spring Training in Arizona. Yes, welcome back. It is the Cactus League Report. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher, and in his 36th <laughs> Cactus League season, the great Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. Larry, rank those 36 springs for us. <laughs> well, that'll be the pretty much the whole show. So. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I want to let Aaron know that, like Julio, I spent all winter uh, trying to stay twitchy. So that I do. <laughs> yes. You're very twitchy. Yes. Very, very twitchy. Uh, well, uh, uh you are an old hat coming here to the Valley of the Sun. This spring training, how does this year feel differently for you in terms of the air around the Mariners yeah. as opposed to some years past? Uh, it's a it's a spring of expectations. That's the, that's the big difference. The, since they did the step back, it's been uh, we're rebuilding, we're pointing towards the future. And I, I, the way I look at it, the future is, is now for this team. They showed it last year by going to the last weekend with a chance to make the playoffs, winning 90 games. They've they've added pieces. They have young, guy, young guys who are ready to break in and maybe explode. So uh, I think this is a year where you look at it as a realistic uh, playoff hopes for this team. You've seen a lot of teams in spring. You've seen a lot of young players and buzz <laughs> around young players. How do you think about Julio Rodriguez compared yeah. to some of the players we've seen in the past? Yeah, it's right up there. Uh, the, the last time I can remember a buzz like this was when Felix was coming mm. up, uh, a young Felix. Uh, you, you know, their, their reputation precedes them. I think it's even more pronounced now because the, pro- the whole prospect uh, evaluation is so much of a bigger thing everybody knows these guys through baseball america and mlb pipeline and the, and the like and he put up such incredible numbers uh 
you know, I, I tweeted it yesterday. It's, it's one of my favorite things in baseball is the phenom who's mm-hmm. you know about to about to explode and. Uh, I think this is even to a greater extent than, than Kelnick was last year. I think this is a, a notch above with, with Julio. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fun to watch. I think it's kind of the, the story of spring is, is watching his development and will he make the team. What do you think it's going to take for him to make the team, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Hi, Larry. <laughs> uh, well, for, for one thing, he's, he might make it impossible for, for them not to if he keeps hitting bombs like he did yesterday uh i think his performance will will dictate it uh you know jerry has pointed to griffey in 89 I think it was 88 or 89 when he was a 19 year old kid and they really didn't want him to make the team but he made it impossible for them not to uh i'm not saying that julio's another griffey but he could do the same thing it's it becomes a roster situation too uh, you don't want him to come up and sit you know a lot will depend on kyle lewis um, it doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the season. So, I mean, there is a spot for him. You really, mm-hmm. I think you could make it work. You could use the DH spot to rotate the, the four outfielders uh, and and others. But uh, um, they're going to have to weigh, as they as always is the case, the is he ready with just a few games above uh, single A? And um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe Kelnick's situation will be instructive to them. He struggled really badly last year when he came up in a similar uh, with similar experience so i think there's a lot of things to weigh but i think his performance i I can see a a scenario where he just makes it impossible for them to keep him in the minor leagues Uh, scott has done nothing but rave about every aspect of his game base running throwing uh you know his plate discipline all the things that you're looking for in a young player larry stone of the seattle times is our guest here on the cactus league uh, report I'm curious to go back to a, a statement you made. What is it you think that makes this more exaggerated of a uh, display or showcase or competition for Julio compared to what we saw from Jared Kelnick? Yeah. Because Jared Kelnick took uh, the Northwest baseball scene <laughs> by storm based yeah. on the expectations and the hype. So to, to surpass yeah. that, and I understand where you're coming from, but I'm, I'm curious why you think that. Yeah. I, I just think that Julio is, uh, you know, is hyped up to uh, to be a, an even better potential player as, as Kelnick, like a, a true superstar type guy like we've seen with an Acuna or a Soto or a Vlad. You know, his minor league numbers, he was a th- he's a career 335 minor league hitter, and and people just don't put up those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, even the highly touted prospects don't often, and the ones who do are the ones who become the true superstars. And so I just think his... Uh, people perceive his ceiling as being higher than Kelnick, and thus the, the hype may be a little bit higher, too. It is pretty interesting as you talk about it, to think about two guys on the same team coming up at the same time. This is pretty rare. This kind yeah. of thing doesn't happen very often. No, no, it doesn't. And you, you it's a shame that Kyle Lewis uh, you know, has those ongoing knee problems, because I think he, he might have been that type of mm. prospect as well. But, you know, if they both hit you've got something you've got the cornerstone of your team for you know for many years to come but one thing that we've all learned around our time in baseball is it's a huge step from being prospect Mm -hmm. to to becoming a star and not everybody makes it even the ones you think are can't miss they don't all they don't all pan out 
You've got columns on both players out right now. Uh, <laughs> the Julio out today, and of course Jared earlier in the week. And there's been a lot of comments how Jared maybe toned down a, a little bit this yeah. spring. What what did you take from your your time with Jared? Yeah, Shannon, I noticed he just as I wrote in this, the piece, he just seems a lot more comfortable. I think last year he came here with a, you know, the the controversy around surrounding him. Uh, you know, I think he was putting pressure on himself when he got called up, no question about it. Uh, and then he kind of dug himself a hole and then just tensed up even more. Uh, it seemed like he was 0-2 from the minute he stepped into the batter's box. He had that 0-42 streak. And I think he was just chasing, chasing it from the beginning. And the fact that he broke through there in September and had a great month, uh, he had that big double on Friday of the last series, uh, I just think that eased his mind tremendously, and I think he comes into camp uh, knowing that he belongs here. And to me, the the whole key for Jared Kelnick is to get off to a good start so he doesn't start questioning things again. If he has a good first two weeks, I think he's going to take off. If he struggles, then, then we'll see what happens. It's great to be visiting with Larry Stone of the Seattle Times here in the Cactus League Report. Larry, this is obviously a truncated spring. We're just into it, but this thing will be over before we know it. Uh, what is it that is catching your eye that is uh, most interesting you to you, maybe below the fold of the uh, Kelnick Julio uh, spring? Because there's... <laughs> There are some interesting things about this team in terms of what could look like, whether it be the bullpen, the back of the rotation, yeah. you name it. What, what's caught, caught your eye? Uh, probably the the fifth starter spot. Uh, it uh, you know, I think Jerry tried hard to get a to get an arm. It hasn't happened yet. We'll see if it if it does. That's kind of lurking in the background. But then uh, there's there's Sheffield who's trying to reestablish himself and win that job, and then some some young people, young players like Brash and. Uh, Stout, who we're going to see today, who who will try and make their mark, and George Kirby, you know, is 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 there as well, and, and he he looks like he's going to be a cornerstone of the rotation. To the matter of just when, I mean, I'm talking about down the road. Sure. He just looks like he's, uh, you know, he's a major leaguer in waiting. So, but but is he ready now? So the the, the questions surrounding the the fifth starter spot, uh, the, the the there's really not too much. And, and Julio, but the, 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 most most of the team and the roster, other than the fringes of the last guy in the bullpen or you know the last utility guy, uh, seems pretty set after the the Winker and Suarez trade. Yeah, when you think about it, I, I guess the, the short spring doesn't seem to affect the Mariners in that regard. In that the roster is it's not all the way set, but it, it, yeah, you, you kind of know what it looks like going in and. It's basically, especially position player-wise, just guys getting ready for the season as yeah. opposed to fighting for jobs. Right. Yeah, the one thing that, you know, could it affect Julio if he had the normal, what do they play, 30 in mm-hmm. normal springs instead of 18? To make his mark, would that, would that help him make his case? You know, I asked that of Jerry at the, before spring training started, and he said he thinks it's maybe just the opposite. It gives us less time to waffle on our decision. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, you know, for for guys trying to win a job, it's going to be tougher, I think, because they don't they don't have the the time to just sort of settle into their camp and then and, and then peak at the end of spring. You got to do it right now, yeah. and that might be hard with the with the layoff. Uh, but uh, you know, for for a young team, they also have a lot of established guys who uh, you know should be able to get ready fairly fast. Larry, I'm curious, what is your favorite part? 
of covering a baseball season. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. This this right here is my favorite part. Of really? The spring training, yeah. I like the relaxed atmosphere. Everybody's, uh, there's hope. Everybody has hope. It doesn't matter how bad you were the, the year before. Uh, you, you leave the the rain and the wind of Seattle and you get off the plane at Sky Harbor and you feel that sun when you step off the plane. And uh, I just love every aspect of, of spring training. So. It's all downhill once the season starts. I thought you were going to say the Cactus League report. <laughs> and the Cactus League report. I'm amazed you say that even though you live with Divish down here, right? <laughs> well, not, yeah, I, that, that's a... Uh, that's the downside. <laughs> I haven't all uh, those thirty-six springs. I haven't lived with Divish through all of them. That's so. true. That's good. <laughs> so, as a spring training veteran, mm-hmm. if somebody is coming down from Seattle for the first time, do you have a piece of advice for somebody visiting spring training? Uh, probably just to to go out there early and mm-hmm. watch the. the uh, the team warming up the bank practice you can get so close you can get you know right at the fence there and mm-hmm. you, you, you can see the major leaguers uh in a way that you can't even uh, at the ballpark uh, so that would be my, my main piece of advice particularly before the game start you could see uh, the drills perry hill running through that that you know i, I eat that stuff up and I, I know a lot of baseball fans do and you're also liable to see on any particular day uh, you know, Ichiro throwing batting practice. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. You know, holding court. Uh, you know, you just don't know with the Mariners the way they bring in their uh, their alumni, Edgar, uh, Dan Wilson, Cammy, those guys. Uh, I think that's cool for fans mm-hmm. to see when they come out to the workout. Larry, everybody's asking me about surprises in this camp and if there's potential for that. Do you see that anywhere outside of that fifth spot? <laughs> uh, boy, uh, it's. No, not not really. There always there always is. Uh, Souza, who they acquired, it, what, what was that? A minor league signing? Mm-hmm. He, you know, I could see a possibility for him, is particularly if they end up having the thirteen and thirteen, thirteen pitchers, thirteen position players. Uh, you know, sneaking onto the roster as a backup outfielder. Uh, but there probably will be one and. I think the biggest surprise will be what Jerry does. He always pulls something off before we leave. You know, there's always what, what, somebody, he's acquired really good players in like uh, March 28th or something like right. that, you know, in past years. All right. Starting next year, mm-hmm. let's talk. What do you like the most rule change wise? <laughs> are we are we pro pitch clock, Larry? I am very pro pitch clock. Mm. I am a I mean, you got a deadline. I'm a pitch clock zealot. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I've just seen, uh, well, I haven't seen it firsthand, but I've just read about how effective it is in the minor leagues. And then not only did it in the the league that it was tested in, uh, I think it was low A, not only did it cut like 15 minutes off the game, but offense uh, exploded or there was a big upturn in offense because just the theory being that kind of the rhythm of the game was, was, faster and play, hitters were more in tune you know you're going to get your veteran pitchers who hate it the max scherzer mm-hmm. and the guys who have been around but most of your pitchers coming up have been have lived it their whole career they've, they've had it in, in the minor league some form of a pitch clock so uh I, th- I think they'll adjust to it and i think it'll just make for a for a crisper game and i'm, I'm also a big proponent of the no shift rules of two people on each side foot in the dirt i just uh I know a lot of people don't like it, but I just 
would welcome a return to kind of the baseball we all grew up with where a, a ball that was hard hit between second and first was a base hit <laughs> make that a base hit again and uh, ball up the middle that for 120 years was a base hit you know I, I know people will say well you shouldn't be penalized for being smart but uh i just think for the, the this game needs some things to to juice the offense up a little bit and uh i think that will help if you were commissioner one day larry Mm-hmm. Commissioner Stone. That actually sounds that great. That sounds great. <laughs> yes, that's that a good sounds sound. amazing. I'll vote yeah. for you. Okay. Yes. Commissioner Stone, what's it going to be? You can do anything you want one day. What are you going to implement? Boy, oh, boy. I think uh, I'll go pitch clock, I guess. Uh, that, that's kind of I mean, boring. That's a chalk. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you're, you've been voted out now. Okay. <laughs> that was happening anyway. Yeah. Well, so. uh, like, I mean, you could have gone like lower press boxes or something, you know, <laughs> there you or like go. ice cream machine in every press box. Well, now, we're, now we're finally talking. Yeah, not yeah, ice cream machine and rainbow sprinkles. sprinkles. Yeah, oh, yeah. rainbow. Shannon sprinkles. and I are big on the rainbow sprinkles. Okay. Well, we go swirl, vanilla, chocolate. What we got? Swirl. I'm a swirl guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're because you, your columns are very balanced, just like swirl. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? With the sprinkle, rainbow well, sprinkles. Yeah, with the sprinkles. Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely. Yeah. A, yeah. This is great. <laughs> I feel like we've really discovered something we buried the lead i think yeah yeah to say the least well stoney man it's always great to see you congratulations on spring training number 36 oh. how many you got left in the tank stoney oh that's a that's that's a question my wife and i are are uh, pondering right now but uh, uh i'll finish this one and then we'll we'll see i understand <laughs> larry it's great to visit with you thank for thank you for being with us as always my pleasure thanks, larry. thanks guys it is the great Larry Stone of the Seattle Times joining us here on the Cactus League Report. When we come back, we got plenty more Mariners baseball chatter coming your way. We'll be joined soon by Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander. All that straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Now back to the Cactus League Report, live from Mariners Spring Training in Arizona. Welcome back inside the Cactus League Report. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, Shannon Dreher. And we are joined by a proud Buckeye supporter. He's got his bracket filled out. He's got the Buckeyes going all the way, I assume. Unless, I mean, he is an analytically minded guy. It is Justin. <laughs> oh, that hurt. It is Justin Hollander, Mariners' assistant general manager. Justin, who is? Who do you have? Uh, believe it or not, I think since uh, since I was ten years old, I filled out a bracket every year until this year. What? Yeah, no, no bracket this oh, year. Man. The timing is not great. Yeah, it was for a, you the devastating year. turn of events with the lockout. Uh, ending right as the NCAA tournament started. I just vote we never have a lockout again, and that way, <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't happen. 
I understand. Well, Justin, man, uh, it's great to be with you. Th- you're on here for, like, you're giving us some time here. Yeah. I mean, this is unprecedented. I don't know if he knows this he yet. He doesn't know yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. He's going to well, be here for a yeah. while. Hey. Usually it goes fast when I'm on, but we haven't even started the game yet. So I don't know if this is <laughs> the best use of my resources. Well, hey, we haven't caught up with you in a while. We know that it, the offseason was wonky, of course. I, I can only imagine that you and Jerry and the rest of, of the staff and in your department, you're just thrilled to be down in the sun and have things kind of feel like they're back to normal now. For sure. Uh, there was an initial, we're thrilled to be down here. And then there was a, we're thrilled to be down here. It'd be great if the major league players were down here. <laughs> so, uh, no, this is this has been an awesome last week, 10 days, however long it's been. Uh, everybody's excited to be here. Positive energy. Good vibes, as good vibes uh, Gino Suarez yeah. uh, is, is telling everyone. Uh, no, it's been, it's been great. Uh, we really missed it. Do tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously it's been a very strange offseason. You had two kind of hyper trade and, and acquisition periods. How did you guys kind of maneuver your way through that and make sure you got enough sleep and enough to eat and everything? It was just absolutely frenetic. Really, really different in that we, we had a good sense if we were going to have a lockout um, and there was going to be labor issues when that was going to start. So we knew where the first part of the offseason would begin and end uh, potentially. It was the second part of the offseason that was really hard to plan for in that we really didn't know. So we're sort of preparing every day or every five days as if we may start our offseason any day now, um, which made it tricky. And you, you really do, like, you talk to so many people in the game, whether it's agents or other clubs, and then all of a sudden that just stopped. Um, and so you, you have hundreds of ideas that you think are good that inevitably either the agents or the other teams think are horrible. And you never, <laughs> like, you wanted to vet them all out. Like, we never had a chance to vet them all out. So, you know, my, my board in my office in Seattle was filled with what I'm sure were great ideas that we just needed other people to recognize they were great ideas. And then when we got to Arizona, my board here was filled with great ideas. We actually got to test them out, though. So, um, and some other teams thought were good ideas and some they didn't. But uh, it, was, it was really unique. Uh, circumstance, you don't realize how much of your time you spend just talking, talking to colleagues around the game, talking to, to player reps, and to not be able to do any of that um, really is a it's a stifling end to what you, you enjoy doing every day. So it was, it was a welcome change over the last 10 days. What does it feel like down here? Does it feel like uh, the start of the new season? Is there still some off-season mixed in? The, the timing of your work, it seems, it's so unusual. Like, yeah. what, what does it feel like down here? Right um, now? I, I was talking to someone earlier, and, and traditionally we don't mix arbitration negotiations with spring training like we're doing right now. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, I'm trying to make sure I get over here and, and see the game and, and spend time downstairs with our players, particularly our new players, and also having to rush upstairs to do potential contract negotiations. You know, there's an occasional spring training trade, there's almost an occasional spring training like the last sign of the the major free agents usually happens like the week before spring training there's generally somebody left out there's not usually like half of the field left out there's not usually like a a winter meetings type frenzy while you're also trying to figure out who's on your team in Mm. in three and a half weeks so that's been a really big change for all of us um but we're making it work and you know you will not find a complaint from any of us that, that baseball is back we will gladly take the uh the little loss of sleep for the return of baseball one of our favorite guys in the building, Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander, is with us here on the Cactus League Report. I'm going to preface this. I feel like every time we talk with you or Jerry, we have to throw out this disclaimer. We know you can't tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain things. We should camp- record a disclaimer. We should. We just, just drop it. Yeah, yeah just drop it. Yeah, yeah. And have it read, like, really fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, super fast. So the disclaimer's out of the way. But we were really curious. The trade with the Reds, like, nobody, I think it's fair to say nobody, 
was going into uh, post-lockout saying, I really think that the Mariners are going to target Eugenio Suarez and Jesse Winker. I think this is where they're going to go. So with that in mind, how does that happen? Like, do you guys identify this pitch to the Reds? Does it come around as a third iteration of something? Walk us through the process as much as you're able to. So initial conversation with the Reds took place right after the regular season. I had a phone call with their assistant general manager, um, they followed that up with a call from their GM to Jerry. Um, we met in person, Jerry, myself, I think Tim Stanton was there as well, our director of baseball ops, with Nick Crawl from the Reds at the GM meetings. I want to say it was the last night, which is a very funny story, actually. Jerry's room was, I think, 920, and Nick's room was 915, room number. They were right across the hall. And we were supposed to get together at, like, 730. And the GM meetings are very long, like, you know, tiring. And... They were supposed to, we were supposed to meet that night, and Nick said, how about 9.15? And Jerry's like, ah, I'm really tired. I may just go to bed. Maybe we can meet in the morning. And Nick said, no, room 9.15. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so we met with Nick, talked a lot about a lot of different concepts, both involving uh, players that we did acquire and about, you know, they they'd moved. Uh, they talked about some of their pitching as well. Uh, they ended up trading Sonny Gray to the Twins. So we just engaged in a lot of different conversations with them. The lockout happens. Obviously, we, we can't speak to them we come out of the lockout and i want to say that nick reached out to jerry on the first day uh it took a couple days for them to connect um we had initially just talked about winker uh as a as a target for us and as we spent time on on jesse during the lockout he just stuck out to us as the most special bat available at the at, at, at the post lockout frenzy whenever that ended we felt like that was a bat that was not available anywhere else really on the market we just believed in and what he could add to our lineup like a true middle of the order difference maker um and that sort of spun into a conversation with suarez and uh, i want to say about two days before the trade actually happened jerry texted me very early in the morning usually he's not an early texter he you know gets his coffee comes in and if he has an idea texted me very early on and and said hey when you get in come into my office and he said he woke up about five uh that morning and just couldn't get out of his head like how we might be able to add Suarez to this deal and how it might help us uh, in some of the mechanics we've talked about. And so he, I walked into his office. He had it all laid out on the board, and then we vetted it through the whole baseball group, and then we spent, I don't know, about 30 hours going back and forth with the Reds on different iterations, different names, more players, less players. 30? 30 over a day and a half, you know. Uh, like, but but the, like a day is 24, and you have to sleep at some point. <laughs> well, it wasn't 30 consecutive hours. <laughs> but still, that's a lot of talk. We, we talked to them, I want to say it was about 9 a.m. one day, and we completed the deal, I want to say, I don't know, at, at 1 or 2 o'clock the next day. So, wow. Um, but, I mean, there were... 10 different players and deal and a deal at different points and more players and less players and um you know obviously you vet things out in a way at a pace this time of year coming out of a lockout than you would it's just different than you would over the course of a normal offseason when things can stretch out for weeks and i'll call you next monday and we can talk about this everybody kind of had some urgency to you know i i think on their end if they were going to trade jesse winker and, and gino suarez they wanted to to do that sooner rather than later, as opposed to getting into a camp, getting going, and then having to tap guys mm. on the shoulder and pull them out of the clubhouse. And for us, we wanted the guys in sooner to integrate into our environment, to be part of the team, and to know that you know this was what we were moving towards, this model, instead of doing something else and having more uncertainty. Okay, so the whole thing played out, not the 30 hours, but the last, I would say, 25 minutes played out in front of us, the media. Correct. 
What were we, okay, and just and I think Ryan Davis has written about it. I've talked about it on the air, but we were all sitting outside, outside under uh, the cover where the radio table was, and we see you and Jerry come out, and there's some pacing and some talking, and we see you go back, and then we see Jerry come back on the phone talking and talking, and we didn't think you looked very happy, to be honest with you, but it was like, what is going on right now? And Jerry walks by, I'm transacting, is it close? Yes. What are we seeing and how, what is the final thing that, what, is it deal? Deal. Thanks. Paperwork? What happens? Um, we went out to talk about like a final iteration. We we said we would do X. Um, they said they would do Y and somewhere we had to meet in the middle. And, you know, I would say that was the goal line when, when I met Jerry outside, I think it was on field one, we were pacing around talking about it. Just the two of us, uh, and I, you know, if I'm remembering correctly, it was probably the the, the players to be named list um, and the timing on that and how we we're going to work through that. Um, so that that was probably what you were seeing is us like, you know, I wouldn't say that's eyes and T's. That's usually medicals or eyes and T's, but it was pr- it was like the one yard line of figuring out the last details of that. No understanding. I I think we both sides had vetted the other side enough that you knew there was no more ground to gain on either end. You know, somebody had to say yes at that point. Jesse Winker is really exciting, obviously. All-star last year. You look at WRC Plus last year. He's in the top ten of everybody in the game. What excites you the most? For Mariner fans that have never seen him play, what excites you the most about Jesse Winker? I think it's it's what he is now um, and that he's getting better seemingly every year. Um, if you look at the trajectory of his zone control, it's improving every year. His hard contact is improving every year. Um, you know, we were as we dug in, you just, you know, we thought it was a very, when we started, we thought it was a very good bat. Um, and then as we dug into the underlying stuff, the stuff that you, you know, not always available to the public, it's a special bat. It's, it's unique in the industry. You know, you know, I, we think he's more than just a platoon player. He's made massive improvements in his approach and contact quality versus left-handed pitching over the last couple of years. He's just been a little unlucky and it hasn't showed up. Um, we think he's an everyday bat and we think against right-handed pitching, if you just look at what he's done, um, it's, you know, sort the list. It's roughly Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Jesse Winker. It's very hard to acquire that kind of hitter who fits in that kind of territory. That's that's the the, the big stacks, so to speak. That's that's where the guys change your world. And to be able to put someone in our lineup like that, it really does redistribute the rest of the guys in the spots they probably fit best. It doesn't force us like eventually there's going to be a time when Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick are in the lineup. It doesn't force us to hit them second and third mm. in their age 21 and 22 year old seasons. Like it allows them to hit a little lower in the order. It allows us to surround weaker with guys like Hanniger and France, as opposed to just having Hanniger and France sort of situate by themselves in the middle of the lineup. It allows us to reincorporate Kyle Lewis in a spot in the lineup where it's like, I know you've missed a lot of time. Now go hit third as opposed to like, <laughs> we have these other guys and it's almost the same thing with Hanny last year. We put a lot of pressure on Hanny. Hanny hadn't played in a year and a half and we immediately had to hit him like right in the middle of the order not having seen pitching in a long time, you know, just not really understanding what we might get. Now we had some, we have some breathing room for guys like Kalu, for Julio, for JK to hit in the spots where it's maybe a little easier to, to, to ease into it. Easier to ease in is not a great way of you saying really it. You really nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see the pain look on my face as I was trying to get through that one? Looking for the ejection handle. Uh, we do that every day. <laughs> he is Justin Hollander. He is uh, close to a wordsmith, and uh, we are always happy to have him with us. We have him for a little bit longer. We're going to step aside shortly. We'll be joined once again by the Mariners Assistant General Manager. Plenty more to come on the Cactus League Report on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now back to the Cactus League Report. Live from Mariner's Spring Training in Arizona. Welcome back inside the Cactus League Report. Aaron Goldsmith, Shannon Dreher, Gary Hill. Joined once again by Mariner's Assistant General Manager, Justin Hollander. All right, Justin, uh, there was a different feel in the crowd in Peoria the other day when Julio was, like, on deck. I mean, b- before he dug in. Uh, people here know what's going on, right? And then he followed that up by hitting a 600-foot home run <laughs> with the Mariners in front. So tell us how you are managing separating just falling in love with the player and also – doing the right thing maybe falling in love with him is doing the right thing i'm already in love (laughs) um that that's too late uh i think i say this every year when when we talk i really try not to pay attention to anything that happens out there because like you get guys that aren't very good that throw up a zero for the spring you guys that are great i I don't know if you remember i think it was in 2019 when we had edwin Encarnacion. yes he had like zero hits (laughs) all spring he looked awful he was i mean his bat was slow slow. like he was like he went to japan and it was like oh my god like we just took on a sinkhole (laughs) what did we do um and then immediately when the when the gun went off for the regular season he was awesome he was he had like the best three months he had like a prime years and with Encarnacion uh three months and it just happens so you know sometimes it's notable if there's like big velocity gains or stuff changes or someone's running or moving better there's a physical change in terms of the actual results I really try not to put too much stock in it and I I did I haven't done it yet it reminds me though I need to put a fine jar in the coach's room and they have to, I need, because I said I was going to do it last year. Anyone who, like, has any hot take based on anything we've seen in the spring, like, has to pay into that because, like, it's absurd how up and down we go on every guy. None of this matters out here. This is just for fun and getting in shape, and we need to keep that in mind. I should use that in the open for the broadcast. I mean, but it's, <laughs> it's for fun. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not fun. It's just, it's, it doesn't really correlate to, to regular season success or failure. To your point, there are so many variables in every single game. It's impossible to measure what, any sort of result. When you're talking about, whether you're talking about weather conditions, your pitcher's face, you're facing a double A pitcher for, I mean, it, there are so many variables that it's impossible. To suss out exactly I, uh, what's happening. I, I put more stock in the 116-mile-an-hour line drive double that Julio hit in the live VP two days ago than I do in the 117-mile-an-hour mm. homer yesterday. Uh, the fact that he's doing that with regularity, just, there aren't players in baseball who, who do that. I think that we looked it up. There's something like 20 total baseballs hit 116 miles an hour or harder in the big leagues last year. And we've seen Julio do it on back-to-back days, uh, one against Logan Gilbert and one against the Padres out here in a, in a game. And, like, that's a physical tool that is is awesome that he has. The actual results of what happens in game, like he took the walk, and I think it was the eighth inning the other day. He didn't chase. He hasn't really chased all camp. That's valuable information. That's something that will help him as we go forward. Whether Marco Gonzalez gives up a run or two runs or whatever, this is for him to get in shape during the regular season. What have you seen uh, to, to take a, a guy, a Cy Young winner on paper, to get the deal done, to get him into your camp? What, what have you seen from Robbie Ray early on? What's jumped out at you? I mean, incredible teammate, one, incredible worker. Um, I think his focus, his preparation is 
as good as we've ever seen. Um, and it really is a sort of a model um, of what we'd like everybody to buy into. And we're lucky. We have a lot of guys like that. Marco's like that. Obviously, he's a machine uh, um, on his focus and preparation. Logan Gilbert's like that. Um, we're really lucky. And Rob is just another example of, of the right way to prepare and um, the right way to go about it day in, day out. And then, like, the deception, the stuff, when you throw that hard – um, and you throw that angrily with the grunting and the deception <laughs> and the body so turn. And the pants. Um, I'm sure you, uh, uh, at least a couple of you guys are out there the other day when he threw the live VP and he uh, he struck out Sousa on the slider. And, I mean, it was it was an 80 slider. It was the top of the scale slider. And Sousa turns around to the rest of the group on, on his end of the hitters, and he goes, he has a good slider. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That was, uh, and, and Robbie, obviously, like, personally unique for me, that's probably the first one one of those that I've ever negotiated on my own. Uh, obviously, Jerry there for support, but I had a relationship with, with Robbie's agent, so for the most part, it was just me on the line with with Robbie's agent. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I want to be known as the guy who does the nine-figured contract negotiations for for starting pitchers going forward, but it was, it was a lot of fun to do, um, and you really trusted all the background we got on the person. Mm. When you're going to give out a contract of that size, like you're marrying that person. You are in love. You are getting married to that person. They're, they're going to be part of your organization. Um, and every bit of background we got was just this is an unbelievable human being who cares about the right things, who will be a great teammate and will fit culturally in our organization. And so those are the things that like that are not on paper that are really important if those contracts are going to turn out well. I'm really curious because we've seen your group be so good at uh, there's a long list now. Chris Flex and Paul Seawald go down the list of getting guys in that you identify something they make an adjustment, and we see the results. Robbie Ray is a different story. He won the Cy Young Award last year. He made an adjustment before that. Is it the kind of thing where just go be Robbie Ray again, or is there still some things that you identify as well that he can do differently, or is it just go get him? I think the biggest change for Robbie was obviously the strike throwing uh, year over year. Uh, he had been an okay strike thrower and then had some setbacks and, and walked back in that and became a below average strike thrower and then made some real mechanical changes. Um, and it was just our own belief that he could maintain those changes. You know, he made a, a physical change. He got bigger and stronger. Uh, he made a delivery change to make it more repeatable. Um, and like our analytical look on the background said that he didn't get lucky. It wasn't like there were a bunch of chases that led to a lower walk rate, but he wasn't actually throwing in his own more. All of our information said that this is a – the predictability of his strike throwing should, if not stay in elite level, stay much closer to where he was last year than maybe where he had been in the past. So um, we really were, like, check, check, check across the board, uh, a belief that uh, he was going to be able to maintain the, the elite level performance. Probably unfair to ask him on the Cy Young every year. <laughs> I won't be disappointed, but, um, no, it, uh, we, we really did have a lot of belief in the, in the skill change. A couple of minutes left with Mariners Assistant General Manager Justin Hollander. I'm really fascinated by how you vet a guy as a dude. It's it's so easy to get all the data and the information. Every team has that. You can interpret it however you see fit. But how do you research how a guy fit, fits in your clubhouse? Former teammates and coaches. That's mm. that's the best way. Is you know somebody who played with somebody, a coach who coached somebody. Um, when you are with a major league player for 186 days plus spring training, it's really hard to hide 
the warts, who you are, the good and the bad. You see, like, it's just like all of us. Like, I come in and I've had a good day or a bad day, and Jerry's forced to deal with whatever version of me that there is. And, and you know, I've worked with him now since 2011, so he knows everything about me. And when you play with another player, you're you've been coached by uh, when you're when you're coaching a player and you're with each other that much, you spend more time with those people than you do your family. They see every version of you. And so when, you, when you're making calls, you're looking for former teammates, coaches, sometimes executives, just to understand what, what you're dealing with from, the, from like, my seat, um, you know, how receptive they are, you know, like what, you know, what their family's like, how engaged they are in the community, those sort of things. But really, former teammates and coaches, um, if you can find guys who will, will put their, their stamp on them, it's, it's really valuable. Do you ha- how do you walk that tightrope, though, if you have – if you have a player on your roster who played with a player you're looking to acquire, but is there danger in going to your own guy to ask him about a free agent, especially like what if they play a similar position, right? I mean, like there, it seems like that if you're talking about players on your own roster, that could be tricky. Is that not tricky? No, it could be tricky if you were looking to replace someone. Um, but like, <laughs> I, you know, I uh, in this case we were just looking to add another member uh, to our rotation, so it was a little easier. You know, if, if I, I can't think of a hypothetical off my head, if we were looking to acquire another shortstop, I'd be loath called, to ask to ask JP about that person. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but like, uh, does, it, does it not matter if your players know? And I realize that not every player is connected with the player you're seeking, right? But yeah. like, is it dangerous to always be asking about hypothetical? acquisitions and then inevitably like most of them they don't pan out because yeah. that's just baseball is or is that not a concern at all you used to you it's it's about timing really when you're going to start vetting okay um, sure you, that makes sense know, like we you don't like vet the whole free agent trade pool with your own players in your organization or your own coaches but once you narrow it down to the players you're really interested in you know if you can find out more about a guy you're going to give a hundred plus million dollars to like that's i feel comfortable at that point like risking yeah. the blowback of like, we didn't get him um, okay. And that happens all the time. That happens when we're hiring major league coaches or staff members. We will ask our players who may have encountered them in a different organization what they're like. You know, our athletic, our head athletic trainer, Kyle Torgerson, worked for the Diamondbacks. Mitch Hanniger was with the Diamondbacks when, when KT was there. We asked Mitch, what do you have on KT? Um, I think that's just it's good vetting, making it, you know, we trust Mitch's judgment. He obviously worked with Mitch uh, in the minor leagues. So that those are easier conversations than, you know, talk to a person who knows a person who knows a person. You put different weights on them depending on where it's coming from. Hey, man, it's it's always great to be with you. And it, it, we really appreciate how candid you are, how open yeah. you are. And, uh, man, the time, the time. You, I mean, I saw you checking your phone a couple of times over there. I was yeah. worried someone was going down. I, I think we're okay. I have a question. I have to throw this out. Do we have time? Yes. For Ask. you. For you. So sure. I get made fun of because people say that my rhythm is like Jerry's, that we, oh. we talk in the same way. One, is that true? Um, and two, if it is, could you blame me? Because I've spent like <laughs> like years, literally sitting next to him, like for more than my wife or my, anybody else in my life. So I'm just curious: is it a thing? Go ahead, Shannon. We can get you actual metrics on this. Yeah, if should, I put oh, you into yeah into my audio programs, you can actually see the peaks, and and we can find out. We can also get you help. If need be. Yeah, if need Let's be. Let's do the analysis first and then the, the, the psychological help afterwards. If we, we turn, have the metrics. If we've turned into the same person. we got our own analytics that we can yeah. run you guys through. I'm we've been doing it the whole time. incredibly interested in this if this is the case. All right. This is great. I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't either. But now. But now it's all, now we all have I hear is Jerry. All yeah. I hear is Jerry. My wife sends me the tweets after I'm on, and she's like, you see, it's not just me who says that you're, you're doing it. Um, so I'm very curious. All right. 
Hey, man, uh, it's a treat. Justin Hollander, Thank our you. guest on the Cactus League Report. You'll be hearing him on the airwaves again sometime pretzels soon. Pretzels next time. I yeah, he, yes. uh, Justin crushes soft pretzels like no other executive in baseball. He you got to bring- have a carrying tool. He couldn't bring him this time because he was sprinting over from the facility. That's true. So. We always appreciate the hustle. Thanks, guys. Hey, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. There he is, Justin Hollander on the Cactus League Report. And uh, that'll do it for our inaugural voyage on the Cactus League Report in this spring training as uh, we are uh, happy to be back in the Valley of the Sun. And, boy, I feel like uh, normal baseball is back upon us. So uh, our thanks to both Justin Hollander and also to Larry Stone of the Seattle Times for hanging out with us. Uh, We have uh, plenty of Mariners baseball coming up and on the way. We'll be back in just a short while on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network.